This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 268 of the Stacey West podcast. I am your host Ben and this week I'm joined by Charlie as Chris is busy with work. Sorry that makes you sound like a substitute but it's kind of true isn't it? How you doing mate? You're well. I mean Chris isn't actually busy with work anyway. He just messaged me saying he didn't want to record with you Ben. That's all it was. (laughs) I was so shit for saying that. Yeah, two can play at that game if you want to call me a substitute. Yeah, all right, fair enough. <laughs> How are we doing, man? <laughs> I'm all right, mate. Yeah, it's been uh, it's, it's just been a busy week. Uh, lots of lots of things happening totally here, there, it. and everywhere. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you've been busy with your your two day long exams or whatever they are these days. Two day long. It was twenty nine <laughs> hours long, and twenty nine hours still isn't long enough, as I very much established <laughs> on uh, Monday and Tuesday. As I said to you at the time, it feels like I'm hitting that stride now where it's like, oh, back in my day, like 29 hour long exam. Yeah. It's madness, I mean, Charlie. Yeah, but you've got to bear in mind. And you've got you, the internet and open books you, and everything. Yes, I know I've got the internet, but it's only so much the internet can give you. The idea of these exams isn't just as a memory test, it's so that you can apply the law in this instance. Um, which does actually mean you've got to know the law, and apparently that's where I fall down. <laughs> okay, cool. So did you just go to chat GPT and do it all that way? Is that No! <laughs> Why oh, would man. anybody do that when the plagiarism <laughs> sort of checkers now are, are more advanced than chat GPT is? Yeah, that's very like true. That, unfortunately, it'd be, it'd be so much nicer and so much nicer. <laughs> You say nicer, like passing the, you know, becoming a lawyer based off chat GPT is... uh... Well, yeah, but to be fair, my whole uni course has trained me to be a lawyer. I've sat on my arse for years. Like, that's literally what lawyers have to do. You sit on your arse and do nothing, right? Right? Sorry, Mm. uh, Ben, one of the viewers, I I know that you're a commercial lawyer. We've had the conversation in the Discord. Um, I hope I didn't offend you there. Um, Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) oh man no it's um yeah it's good to see that you know you, you got through that one and then like you say another one next week and we're all yeah. rooting for you and all that good stuff so <laughs> um but yeah no it's it's kind of we were toying with a few things uh with regards to this week's podcast because until what is it thursday now i think until about late tuesday it seemed like it was probably going to be a bit of a quiet one didn't it but we've had a a little flurry of news in the same way that we've had a bit of a little flurry of snow over the past couple of days. Um, well, of course, no, you're, you're not in Lincoln these days, are you? So, yeah, it was um, yeah, a little flurry the other day. Um, but first bit of news um, on the Imps front. Um, we've had a couple of uh, departures, uh, kind of expected. I mean, Ocean Galler... Ocean Gallagher obviously come back uh, from Peterborough Sports, made a bit of a cameo the other week, but um, Marcos Gubala alluded that to that uh, in his press conference today, said that it was 
due to being incredibly thin on the ground in terms of numbers. But um, both Hayden Can and Oshin Gallagher have departed to head out to the League of Ireland in what's seemingly been a, a bit of a regular fixture at this point in the Imps calendar, isn't it? Where you know we'll, we'll have at least one or two youngsters head out and play for Drogheda till uh, the end of the Irish League season. So mm. all the best to the lads. I mean, I think it's fair to say that we, we'd hope to see the same level of uh, of, of improvement and uh, you know strengthening of their uh, careers as it's had for Sean Rowan and, and Freddie Draper. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, obviously Elitra Rahui as well went out there last season and he's come back and he's, he's seemingly doing very well on his current loan spell. So, um, yeah, interesting interesting move. I mean, obviously, semi-predictable at this point, isn't it, as to where they're going to go. But uh, decent moves for the pair of them. Yeah, it is. Um, like I say, it has become kind of a bit of a mainstay in terms of our squad at the minute, having sort of two young lads going out on loan over to Ireland. Um, but there's no reason why we shouldn't continue to use this because it's worked so well for us so far. Like I say, uh, Sam Long and Freddie Draper. No, yes, no. Sam Long and Freddie Draper weren't the first two. It was Freddie Sean Rowan, wasn't it? Draper and Sean Rowan. Yes, I'm sure. And then it was Sam. And then it was Sam Long and. No, no, right. It was Sam Long, it was and, Sam Sean Long and Sean Rowan. That, and yes, then it was Freddie go. Draper and, and Freddie Huey. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, I do know what I'm talking about. I promise. <laughs> but all four of them came away from those loans being so much better players than what they were when they went. And they were really able to showcase their ability as well. So, again, there's no reason why it's something that we shouldn't use. Uh, in terms of Can and Ocean being the two that have gone this year, really happy with that as well. I think Hayden Can. Hayden Can was a player that myself, I think some of the supporters, um, Gaz mentioned it as well. I remember down at Boston that we'd, we'd sort of expected Hayden Can's pathway at Lincoln City to have ended realistically by now because he just never seemed to, what is he, 21? And by that age, if you haven't really broken into the first team when you're sort of one of the youngsters, you know, typically there's an opportunity you'd think that the opportunities for you are going to become fewer and fewer. Mm. But he then played that pre-season friendly at Boston that we were all at and, and impressed that he looked like a proper good centre-half. Um, and then he's obviously gone out on loan to Peterborough Sports for the first half of this season, has by all accounts performed really well there. They they seem to um, be quite upset that they're losing both Hayden Can and Oshun, actually. Mm. So now <laughs> that he's going to get this move to... Drahida, I think that's a really positive one for him. Uh, in terms of Oshie Gallagher, um, yeah, obviously he got recalled for New Year's Day for, for the Blackpool game, and obviously he played a few minutes. Uh, obviously, Skubala said that it was because they were thin on the ground. Now, I was under the impression that Michael Skubala really, really rates Oshie Gallagher. So mm-hmm. I actually, I, I was having this conversation with a couple of people um, down in Wickham on Saturday about who were going to be the two that go to Drahida, and obviously Oshie and Hayden are the first two names that that get spoken about. And of course I, I very much kind of agreed, but I said, it wouldn't surprise me to see it happen a little bit later on, because I think it's still to like the end of February that the Irish sort of transfer window shuts. Mm. So they technically could have still gone as late as then. Uh, Cause I, I sort of expected, especially Asheen to maybe get a little bit more time in and around the Lincoln first team squad, but obviously for whatever, re- you know, whatever reason with returning injuries and things like this, we've decided to send them out early so that they can sort of link up with their Drahida team um, for more time, which again, get a full preseason out there, really positive. Uh, and it is only going to be until the summer um, as confirmed by Skubala in his uh, pre-match press conference because he sort of turned around and said that they'll get sort of 20 games until the end of our season and the middle of the League of Ireland season. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, like you say, we'd, we'd had, I think we'd had a conversation even between ourselves where we'd said, look, yeah. you know, with, with Gallagher coming back, it, it almost felt like he was sort of coming back as cover. And then I thought, well, mm. I I didn't particularly see him going out until we had uh, somebody else coming in as a as a replacement for him, I guess. So whether that's on the cards or not, I don't know. But we'll see in the next. I don't think we necessarily needed a replacement for Shane well, Gallagher. It's probably more with obviously Ethan Araham being out. Yeah, I think for it, that Blackpool game. 
it was it was kind of needing that cover and i think yeah i think probably having another body in for cover well not a replacement for a sheen i think there was probably something in my mind that's saying i think we still need another body in that area to come in so we'll, again we'll see what's uh, we'll see what's going to happen over the next uh, couple of weeks before the end of the window um something that's definitely not happening is good news for us uh, which is Usually a bit of a rarity sometimes, um, but yes. Jack Burrows and uh, Alex Mitchell staying with the Imps till the end of the season as the recall window for their loans have both expired. So excellent news for us. Um, I think Alex Mitchell has been a, a consistent, you know, seven, eight out of ten for, for mm-hmm. most of the games that he's been in. Obviously, he's been our, the Stacey West Readers Player of the Month for, I think, a couple of months on the trot. Um, and yeah, he's he's been a, a really good addition to the squad in that little gaggle of central defenders that we've got that's available. Um, I'm delighted to see him stay uh, until the end of the season. Yeah. Um, much the same with Burrows. Obviously, you know he's he's versatile. He can play either flank. Um, so I still think we'd probably be fishing around for a left wing back. Um, but you know he's he's there he's available and mm-hmm. of course if there is a knock to last he can pop over on that side as well um, as he's proven to be done uh, as he's proven to have done sorry so far um, yeah I think it, this is obviously great news for us and um, I, I I can't really see any downsides to this news at all um, no absolutely not um, I think Jack Burrows what Jack Burrows brings to us is. He's a consistent performer. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say that he's a, a consistent seven or eight out of ten, but he's he's a consistent six or seven, and he's versatile, which means he's the perfect sort of squad player that you want. Um, mm-hmm. I sometimes have a couple of doubts about Jack Burrows, but I also think that when he's sort of having to play in either of the positions that he's kind of been asked to play this season, he's still performed sort of well enough to 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 kind of not be warranted us wanting to send him back like obviously we, we did for Jack Vale uh, and obviously Coventry are more than happy with his development so far to keep mm-hmm. him with us and then um yeah Alex Mitchell's one I, I was I was really pleased with that a lot of people a lot of people love Alex um they I've seen comments on social media sort of saying break the bank sell poor Eve um, <laughs> and, and, and get Alex Mitchell like what what's brilliant from a fan's point of view and I absolutely love it, is the fact that he's a lone player that just gets it. Yep. And it, it sounds so kind of menial, like, oh, well, but they all get it. They all want to win and all of this. Yes, but the way he shows it, you just know that you just know that he's in love with the football club. I mean, you, and, you, look, you look at the way that he celebrated the goal of the weekend. Exactly. Like the, there's, exactly. That, there's that alternative angle, isn't there, yeah. from, yeah. Uh, from, from behind the goal. And yeah. you see him just go absolutely wild when mm-hmm. it goes in and he's you know getting mixed in with the fans i think even as now, he's running away he's giving a bit of banter as he is you know yeah. hand to his ear sort of come on keep it up kind of thing so yeah no, he, it's, it's funny that one because um before the game i i was talking to somebody down in wickham and i was shown a photo of alex from when he was eight years old in a wickham <laughs> kit <laughs> because that's where he, uh, that's where he kind of started his footballing career, if you like, in the sort of schoolboy sort of uh, age. He was at he was at Wickham, um, so he obviously just enjoyed that one, that little bit extra when he kind of got released at a very young. Age. It was uh, that was quite a funny one, um, but yeah, there was. But what I could gather, there was a good chance that he was going to get recalled. Okay. Because Millwall were looking at a centre back, wanted a centre back this this window, um, so there was a good chance that they were going to recall Mitchell. They extended the recall window um, that he could be brought back in, uh, but obviously, luckily, they've decided against doing it now. Um, and who knows? Let's hope we can even maybe have a look at signing him in the summer, which could very much be a possibility if uh, if we wanted to do it. I'd hope so because you know I think like you say, he's he's a player that gets it. He, he understands you know the, the fans' passion and he, he having uh, you know having spoken to him, he's he's a, a lad that's very clearly just wanting to play as much football as he possibly can, um, where he can, and it, it seems like this is a it well you know it, it kind of seems like this is a perfect fit for him as a club at the moment. Um, he really likes it here. I'd love to see him stay permanently. Um, 
we'll just have to see. Obviously, it depends on what the contract situation is with Millwall. Uh, we don't really know any details on that, but we'll, you know, hope, well, just keep our fingers crossed that maybe in the summer we'll uh, we'll see him a bit more around the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, unfortunately, a face that we're not going to see at the bank anymore. Um, not that we've seen him too much anyway. Um, is of course Charlie Kendall who has left the Imps on a permanent deal um, after two years. He has gone to Woking for an undisclosed fee, but as with most of our transfers that leave the club at the moment, we will retain an interest in Charlie Kendall's future. So, yeah, it's it's a bit of a disappointment, this one, um, and it's one where I think, you know, when he comes in, there's the, the whole sort of, almost a meme of Charlie Kendall scores goals. Um, and I think we got quite excited about this, you know, young promising striker that's coming up from, uh, from non-league and, you know, oh, is he going to get a chance in the first team? And then that didn't really happen. A um, couple of loan spells where he's not exactly set the league on fire that he's been in. So I think it's probably fair to say that it, it's, it's an accurate estimation that he's not going to be, a quality League One striker that we would be utilising week in, week out at this point. Um, that's not to disparage him at all. You know, I think he's he's been professional and he's he's done what he's been required to do when he's gone out. It's just that he hasn't excelled in those loan uh, loan spells that he's had. Um, I think when uh, we were obviously we've obviously suffered the striker shortage and his name was never really in the frame or in the conversation to come back think that kind of started to to put the you know nails in his coffin with regard to his imps career um but obviously you know we'd, we'd all wish him the best and hope he has a successful career just not when he plays against us <laughs> yeah he uh it, it's a weird one with charlie kendall i think realistically he had come to and i am going to sound like chris here he had come to the end of his pathway here <laughs> um of course, it's a shame. We know his goal-scoring ability, but I think realistically the disappointing loan move into League Two to Sutton mm-hmm. halted his development, really. Um, he's averaged a goal every 200 minutes across his career, and that seems like a pretty good stat, you know, even for a striker. Yet, unfortunately, the bulk of his goals have been in the National League South. For whatever reason, he struggled with the step up. I know uh, that some people will call this signing a failure, and yeah, sure, do you know what? they probably would be right. We don't know exactly how much we signed him for or sold him for, but just because it doesn't work out, it doesn't mean that the that it wasn't the right idea in the first place. Um, also, that transfer window, January 2022, mm-hmm. we signed two non-league strikers, Charlie Kendall and Ben House. Yep. Obviously, one has been a hit and one has been a miss, even with the injury this summer, um, this season for Ben House it has still been a hit of a transfer. And yep. It shows the strategy on a whole isn't a failure. And we discuss recruitment strategies, things like that. We often compare ourselves to um, Peterborough, mm-hmm. right? especially when it comes to strikers, because they're always kind of famed as, as sort of the best ones like that, aren't they? Yep. But they signed a striker last January. Uh, Chimanga, his name is, right? So they, he, they bought him from um, Chesterfield. He spent the second half of the season still at Chesterfield. But he's been on loan at Fleetwood this season. He's failed to score or make any impact at Highbury, obviously, in League One. So let's just say hypothetically that it doesn't work out for him there and he drops back down the leagues over the next couple of years. In five years, he'll never be mentioned when Lincoln fans or any other fans end up discussing Posh's transfer record. People will continue to mention Tony Asombolonga or even Ronnie Edwards if he moves on for the money that he's been rumoured for at the minute. I guess we kind of just hope that in five years' time we'll be doing the same and we can talk about Moylan, Draper, House, Aaron, Rowan, Duffy, any of them, Mm. rather than having to pick out the Charlie Kendalls that unfortunately don't work. Um, So, I mean, the thing is, it's it's never... Yeah, like... Football transfers aren't an exact science, are they? You know, you're never going to have a 100% hit rate. I mean, if you show me a, a a chairman or a director of football that says they've got a 100% hit rate, I'll I'll show you a liar. It's you know, not every signing works out, and I think Gaz said it the other week, and I, I would fully agree with him that you know, I think at the moment 
we're still in credit with the signings that we've made over the past few years. I, I think there's been a lot more hits than misses. I think we've still got a solid squad um, when everybody's fit. That's obviously the key differential there. Um, and it's, you know, it's just one of those things, unfortunately. It doesn't mean that, oh, the the method or the model or the, you know, the, the strategy is wrong. It just means that, okay, that one's a miss. You know, we've, hopefully potentially made the money back that we signed him for maybe even made a bit of a profit who knows um but ultimately you know he's not going to be a player that is we would have pinned that oh he's going to be our first million pound player or anything like that you know he's not that player that we would have uh hoped for um I mean, it's the same with you know with any other job isn't it you, you, you hire somebody they may not be great and they move on to another job you know, they may get sacked, they may leave on their own accord, but it's it, not everybody's going to be a perfect fit wherever they go. Um, it's just a shame that there was that sort of bubble of hype around Charlie Kendall that after coming off a season where he'd scored so many in the National League South, we thought, oh, this lad looks looks impressive, but it's just sadly not worked out. It, that's possibly, arguably, because at that point we were a little bit deprived of a number nine. That scored you don't goals, say, Charlie. you know. So <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, so, so at that point, we're gonna we we as a fan base are going to hype up uh, a player like Charlie Kendall because Charlie Kendall scores goals. But now for Woking, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but like I say, you know, th- there's no from my point of view, there's no malice or ill will towards Charlie Kendall at all. You know, I think he 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 can still go on and have a decent career. Um, Maybe not at the level that we expected it to, but hopefully, you know, he can uh, he can push on with the move to Woking and uh, all the best for him for the future. Um, but that's it so far in terms of uh, the, the comings and goings in the club, um, mainly goings this week. Uh, I think Michael Skibala has said this week that he's still looking to bring in some experience um, and, and as you know, Gaz and myself and, and others have suggested over the past couple of years, experience doesn't always mean older players. It just means players that have played a lot of football. Um, so, yeah, I, I still think if we're going to be in that uh, in that pool, we're going to potentially see a, a central midfielder come in. I, I always feel that when you talk about, you know a player with experience that's going to help lead the line or help lead the side. To me, they always fall into two brackets and it's either a central defender or a central midfielder. Um, you know, you look at the likes of Bozzy when he came in, he was, he was that experienced player that sat in the middle of the park and, you know, dropped back into defense as well at points. Um, he seemed to be that kind of player. And I just wonder if that's where they're, you know, that, that profile of player that we're looking for. I mean, I've got no idea what's being spoken about at the moment, but it's it's going to be a um, going to be an interesting one to see who comes in, if anybody, isn't it, Charlie? Yeah, um, there's been. Well, I think you're talking third, fourth uh, press conference in a row now, where Michael Skibala has reiterated that he wants experience. So, guaranteed, we are now signing three under twenty. Um, one-year-olds <laughs> for the rest of this transfer window and nobody else because obviously Jez George and Liam Scully pulled the puppet strings from behind the closed up now um, Jesus just, Christ no, Charlie no, honestly um, yeah look we, we, we do clearly want a little bit of, uh, of experience in and I think that's absolutely fine for me it'll be a player very similar to Adam Jackson mm-hmm. somebody 26 27 yeah, I think he was, because I think he's 29 now, so he would have come in when he's about 26. Somebody that can play plenty of games for us still and have a good few seasons with us, three, four seasons or something like that, uh, but have also played a heck of a lot of minutes already. Mm-hmm. What you want from an experienced player is, is somebody that can not just be a leader and a mentor to the youngsters, but be a good leader and a mentor. And that's two totally different things. Yeah. Uh, anybody can, anybody can lead a mentor. Don't necessarily mean that what they're, where they're leading is the right direction. But want like I say, somebody that can, that can very much do that. If we've got this kind of youth development focus that we're trying to build at this football club with some of our younger players that we're bringing in, for example, from Ireland, uh, then we are going to want maybe a slightly older player that's either been there, done that, um, and that can maybe sort of 
help show the way, but also be a leading figure on the pitch. And I think that's the big difference because we want somebody that's going to be able to play a lot of football for us still. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, like a, kind of like a Liam Bridcut that's not made of glass. Yeah, 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 exactly. You want somebody that can still be one of our better players and that you'd be starting, you'd want to start sort of consistently. Mm. Um, but, you know, it is also got all of the experience and all of the kind of mental attributes to them as well. Um, whoever that may be, who knows? I probably don't expect us to be bringing in two or three of them, maybe just the one um, mm. to kind of go along with some of the leadership, some of the leaders that we've already got in the squad. You know, Ethan Arahan, he's getting on a bit. What is he, 24? He's an old <laughs> man now. Um, so, <laughs> Well, he is compared to you, you feet. Well, exactly. Uh, and, you know, Pordy as well. He's 25, <laughs> I want to say, you know. So he's an old bugger. Um, and then Adam Jackson at 29 I mean Jesus so, so you, Jeez, you know, I'm what, feeling what? eight I'm feeling grey here this is ridiculous but um, no I mean look it's it's going to be it's like say looking grey and all to be fair <laughs> Sorry. cheeky yeah. bastard we are looking at you know obviously some some experienced players to come in and th- there was a part of me that was thinking look we're also looking for a winger we're looking for experience just bring back Harry Anderson why not and it's like oh yeah because he's injured quite a lot I was going to say Oh, I want somebody a bit like Liam Bricker that isn't made of glass. Let's go yeah. for Harry Anderson. Let's go for Harry Anderson, who's constantly been injured for the Doesn't past. Doesn't really part. work like that, I'm afraid. No, sadly not. But uh, no, I'd love to see Harry back, but I know it's probably not going to happen. Um, but uh, anyway, right. Well, as I said, we we were potentially. Um, looking for other things to talk about this week um, until that little flurry came in, but we did put the question out on the Discord channel. Uh, for some podcast questions, um, we've had uh, one really good question in actually, which you know we're going to uh, we're going to answer now. Um, it was from John Cousins Booth, so thank you very much for that. And it was something that I not seen actually, so it was uh, it was yeah. a little piece of news that sort of slipped me by. Um, but he says on a recent Price of Football podcast, it was mentioned that Lincoln City are one of a few EFL clubs that have joined the Union of European Clubs. What is the UEC and what does this mean for the club? Is it effectively like a trade union for football, uh, for all football clubs, or does it hold a different purpose? So I'll be honest, I didn't know. Um, so uh, How I. How you said that on the podcast? So oh, that, mate. That, oh, that was Too many times well. to count. Wow. That's, that's harsh. <laughs> um, I'm sure you've said it as many times as well. Um, but, you know, so I didn't really know the answer to this question. I did a little bit of looking, but I couldn't get a a firm handle on what it was. So um, I have uh, an, an answer direct from Liam Scully on this one, um, and that is as stated. So the UEC is an organisation formed to promote a fair, sustainable and balanced football ecosystem where clubs of all sizes can thrive in de facto open models of competition. Uh, they do this by giving a voice to professional clubs of all sizes, um, and it will and that enable clubs to defend their interests and advocate for a regulatory environment where they can progress in both financial and sporting terms. Um, so the Imps are obviously part of Fair Game in the UK. Um, there's a number of clubs that have signed up to Fair Game um, and Fair Game have basically joined up with the UEC. So Lincoln, you know, the Imps being part of Fair Game, kind of by default, they're now part of the UEC. Um, But I think the way of describing it as almost like a trade union is probably the best way of describing it. It's sort of a, you know, a a group of clubs that are going to use their voice together um, and put on a united front, basically, if something comes up. Um, Obviously, we have the, the issue at the moment with the Premier League sort of new structure and the new financial structure that's being pushed for. Um, I did see calls for some Premier League clubs to to get on with it essentially the other week, given some of the stuff that's been going on in the uh, in the league this this season. Um, but basically, yeah, they, they they're looking to do it on a broader scale, um, not just in the UK or not just in the uh, the clubs um, parent countries, but they will do it across Europe for as many clubs as they possibly can. Um, and it sounds like it's you know good people trying to do good things um for for the game so hopefully it's going to be well i don't think there's too much i think it, it you know it'll be beneficial for the club it just depends on how much of a voice it can give the club and other clubs that have signed up so uh thoughts on that one charlie yeah um 
obviously wholly positive as as you very much said in regards to that so it was something that I'd kind of been aware of, and I was sort of saying to you, but again, I, I didn't know enough about it to, to have been able to answer that question um, sort of on my own, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, but on that, obviously, we are, are we are kind of in a really transitional period for football, especially in this country at the minute, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the, new, the New Deal hopefully, you know, can come in pretty soon. The independent regulator, who knows whether that's going to be something that will be implemented by this government or potentially now the next, you know, we're, we're going to be, give or take a year away from an election. Um, realistically, you'll be looking at back end of, of this year. I, I don't believe they want to be doing a summer election, um, but we're not a politics podcast. So I won't go too deep into that. Um, I'm keeping my mouth firmly shut because I get in trouble for that sort of thing. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. Like I say, we are we are in a real transitional period for for English football, um, and we are you know Lincoln City, Liam Scully, um, very much fighting for the betterment of the mm. lower leagues. It's something that it's very much falling on deaf ears with the Premier League sometimes. But yeah. the Premier League are going to have to pull their finger out soon enough because the independent regulator is coming in. Um, if a- anybody will have seen, I'm sure the uh, fin- well, the financial charges that were given against Everton and Nottingham Forest on Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the reason that they were handed down to those two clubs on Monday was not because the Premier League was suddenly getting their act together and starting to punish clubs. It was actually because on Tuesday, Richard Masters, who is the CEO of the Premier League, was in Parliament having to answer questions from MPs about why the Premier League aren't hurrying up with independent regulation and all of this sort of stuff to so that he could effectively say, oh, well, look, we're already self-governing. We're all, mm. we're good us. Like, look at us. We've just yeah. done this. They were amazing, you know. So they're trying to kind of blue Peter it, and this is what we've done earlier, sort of thing, <laughs> without mentioning it that that was literally the day before. And funnily enough, the last time they were in Parliament was the day after they gave the 115 charges to Manchester City. So, you know, that, just 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 out of interest, because I've not seen anybody mention that for a while, especially not in the light of the mm-hmm. forest and uh, forest, and, you know, the, the other ones. Have they actioned on those yet? I don't think there's been any punishments under no. there, has it? <laughs> no, no, no. They have, um, funnily enough, no. Um, nah, so, obviously, that one will be a nice and slow process that I've got to work through. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, look, the, as I say, we're, we're in a massive transitional period. Uh, being a part of groups like this, being a part of fair game, uh, as, you know, in the first instance is a real positive because it is a collection of groups that, collection of clubs, sorry, that are obviously all fighting for, funnily enough, the game to be fairer. Yeah. Um, so now being able to kind of have us as part of a European version, effectively a European version yeah. of fair game, which is more, more or less what the uh, UEC is. It's again, it's just another string to the bow. And, you know, the fact that we're signing up to these things without hesitation, it tells you a lot about our owners, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I mean, you know, I don't want to sit here and blow smoke, but it, it's one of those things that these things come up and you look at it and you say, right, well, how is this going to benefit the club? And I think it's not just going to benefit the club. I think it's going to benefit football as a whole going forward. I mean, you know, there's a, a quote from uh, the, the founder or the co-founder of the UEC when Fair Game signed up. And obviously there was 34 clubs all signing up. And I think that this sort of says it all here, where it says the challenges faced by clubs in English football are similar to the challenges faced by clubs across Europe. Our cooperation with Fair Game gives the UEC the opportunity to address these challenges further. We believe clubs of all all sizes deserve to be heard and fairly represented in the decision-making processes of European football. New influences are challenging core values of our game, putting at risk or putting at further risk the sustainability of football's success as a sport. And I think the sustainability thing is the key thing there. Like we've all been, we've all seen the accounts. We all know where we are. You know, we're losing X. yeah, you know, we're losing X million pounds a year. It's about being sustainable. And I think the interview that uh, you and Gaz did with Harvey when he was talking about sustainability, it's key. You know, it is absolutely key that we can become a sustainable football club. And there's so many ways of doing that. But I think one of the biggest ways that we can do that is to have this new deal in place. And organisations such as Fair Game and the UEC will help us push for that. 
and it won't just benefit us, it'll benefit the game as a whole. So it sounds like it's only going to be a good thing for, for the club going forward, and obviously it's all off the pitch and everything else. But, um, yeah, interesting stuff. So cheers for your question, John. Very much uh, appreciated because it gave me a bit of further insight into stuff um, as well. So excellent stuff. Right, we're going to take a very, very short break, uh, and when we come back, uh, Charlie will be doing some previewing and we'll talk about the game against Derby on Saturday. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. There we go. That was a very quick break. And um, yeah, next up, Charlie, uh, as of the moment, has yet to speak to, but will have spoken to by the time you listen to this, uh, Chris from Rams Reviews. So here is his little chat now. Hello and welcome back to the Stacey West, either the YouTube channel or the podcast, wherever it is that you are hearing, watching, listening to myself today. But I'm not alone, no, in fact, we are looking ahead to Derby on Saturday. And to do that, I am joined by Chris Holt from the Rams Review. Chris, how are we doing? Good evening, sir. Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, thank you very much for coming on, and uh, I'm sure it's not a bad season to be talking all things Derby County at the minute, is it? It could be a lot worse, uh, <laughs> and I don't believe we've hit full gear yet, so uh, yeah, I'll take what we've got at the moment, definitely from where we were back in October. Absolutely, and a really scary prospect that you've uh, not really hit full gear. Um, I think the, the kind of easy starting place for most of these previews is to kind of ask how the season's going, but... Obviously, I'm a little bit conscious that we only played each other at the back end of last month. In fact, it's going to be, um, well, almost a month um, since that game by the time that we play it on Saturday. Um, in fact, it'll be a month on Sunday, won't it? So let's just kind of break down that, that month in between. You've played five matches. Unfortunately, four of those were victories. And, and yes, OK, there's one loss in there that some Lincoln fans may uh, decide to pin some of our hopes on, saying, hey, look at that, they've lost the game. But that was on New Year's Day to another team that are really high-flying in Peterborough United. Kind of talk us through the month that's been. Um, well, we'll start with the Peterborough game. I think that was probably the classic case of one game too many. Uh, we didn't rotate our squad throughout the Christmas period and we played pretty much the same 11 all the way through. And as you're probably aware, the, the Derby starting 11 certainly is on, of the older generation uh, with with quite a few 30-plus legs in there. And I think that Peterborough are definitely the best team we've seen at Pryor Park. They deserve the win, no question. Um, and they'll be there or thereabouts with us, hopefully, uh, at the end of the season. The month in general... Um, We've we've almost this sounds really derogatory to the way we've been playing, but we have scraped home in many occasions. Mm. I think we're we're top of the the league when it comes to goals scored in the last fifteen minutes. Uh, I think we've got sixteen yeah. or seventeen now, and that seems to be a regular occurrence at the moment, which is something that is completely different from this time last season where we were doing the opposite. So uh, that's certainly the positive. Um, we also threw away a uh, an obvious 
probable win against Wickham, which was a little bit disappointing, with mm. which was an error by an individual. And we seem to be a team still full of individual errors rather than lacklustre performances, if that makes sense. So take from that what you will. Um, it wasn't a mind-blowing month, but you know, 10 wins out of 12 and, and, and the two that weren't wins was that uh, 1-1 against Wickham and, like you said, the 3-2 defeat against Peterborough. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, there is the game against Lincoln in there. You beat us 3-1 at your place. Now, thinking back to that game, I've got to be honest, from a Lincoln fan point of view, I didn't think that we were outclassed too much. Now, we had big injury issues, things that have started to be rectified um, It's sort of in the January transfer window through one or two additions and the players that are kind of coming back from injury for us. But considering how much of a sort of depleted squad we had, I thought we put up a good sort of show against you guys. Um, but on the flip side of that, you know, we know that you've got the, the quality to still be able to turn teams over. Now, you sort of mentioned there that there are individual errors rather than lackluster performances that sometimes maybe cost you points. You know, mentioned Wickham, for example. On the sort of flip side to that, in the kind of on on the other hand of that. The victories that you're getting, are they because of individual brilliance or is there, or has there been such a tactical shift? Because like you mentioned earlier on, there's it was a little bit of a, an indifferent start to the season. Um, you know, Has there been a major tactical shift that you're seeing or is it just individual brilliance starting to shine through in the team? That's a really good question. Um, Paul Warren was pretty rigid at the start of the season and he was adamant that he wanted to play his three at the back, uh, the 3-5-2. He, he seems to now interchange that on a regular basis, sometimes with three at the back, sometimes with four. Um, the midfield seems to change week in, week out regarding formation. I think he's become more tactical prowess against who he's playing rather than what he's got, if that makes sense. Um, answering the question of is it individual brilliance or team performance I would say the first point there's a lot of individual performances at the moment that are being seen uh, week in week out Nathaniel Mendes Lang being one of them um, you know this guy's 31 years old and looks like as if he's he's just started off his career he's good yeah you know, this is the this is the guy who you know commutes to South America every you know every other quarter of the season uh, and comes home and looks fresh as a daisy um we have a uh, an up and coming uh, wing back by the name of uh, Kane Wilson that we had from Forest Green who has been showing signs of brilliance James Collins looks back in form um but the team just seems to get what it needs to get to get the performance and the win, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, we haven't tore anyone apart for a while. Will it come? Who knows? But at the moment, we would like, if, if there was any, if there's anything that would give you hope as a Lincoln City fan, and I'll say this now, is Derby tend not to have a plan B. So if plan A doesn't work, plan B normally doesn't uh, arrive. I am Lars Sorensen. You're listening to the Stacey West podcast. There we go. That was Charlie with Chris from Rams Review. Um, yeah, hopefully a bit of insight there. Um, we can't really talk about it too much because it's happening in the future as we record. But um, yeah, Derby at the bank on Saturday, looking like it's uh, edging towards a sellout, although I think there's about 8,000 8, tickets sold for the home end. So probably looking yeah. at, yeah, another... Another seven, eight hundred or so, I'd imagine at this point, possibly towards a sellout. But yeah, it's um, going to be a big game. Derby obviously flying at the moment. They are a very, very strong team. However, I watched their game against Burton on Monday and I got a very small glimmer of hope um, coming in. But Colin and Charlie, let's hit me with some stats and knowledge about Derby then. Let's see what they've. Uh, Oh, I'm supposed to have knowledge and stats. Oh, God. I'm on the well, I mean, just use ChatGPT uh, like you do with your exam, mate. You'll be fine. Stop saying that. <laughs> if one of my invigilators is listening, I'm in the... Right. Uh, <laughs> no, look, um, you, you pretty much kind of summed it up within those kind of couple of sentences. Derby are a very, very good side. Their only league loss since the end of October was against fellow high flyers, Peterborough at United. 
there's no coincidence in that. You know, Paul no. Warren has got the team playing how he wants them. I um I said on a real EFL podcast a couple of weeks ago, when kind of presented with the question of it, you know, is is Derby playing the worn way now? Because earlier on in the season, there was the chance that he was going to get sacked. I remember Shrewsbury away mm. in particular, where sort of Conor Hurahan had to go and kind of ask the fans to give them patience because it just wasn't going well. It, it was funny, that one, because he scored the own goal that made them lose 1-0 and then went and apologised to the fans and told them to be patient. Mm. How that works? Who knows? Um, but, but the thing is, I think he's taken a little bit of compromise on both sides in terms of the players and Paul Warren. Paul Warren seemed to have changed the system ever so slightly now in the way that he's playing with Derby County. And the players have obviously bought into what he wants a little bit more as well now. So the fact that they are third place in the league, like I said, they have won, they have lost, sorry, one game since the end of October. And that was against Peterborough United, who realistically will be top after their game in hand. I am sure of it because they are doing so fantastically at the minute. Um, Derby are very much, well, they're joint second anyway. They're only one point behind the league leaders at Derby and they've also got a game in hand on them. Uh, Obviously Mm -hmm. the league leaders being Portsmouth. So we've got a really big task on our hand. Now, in terms of away form for Derby. (laughs) This is the worrying bit, isn't it? (laughs) They're top of the league in terms of away form, um, in terms of points per game. They've played 13 matches away from home, won nine of them, drawn one and lost three. They've scored 26 and conceded 30s. They've scored averaged two goals a game uh, away from home, and they've averaged conceding one goal in those games as well. So therefore, 2-1 victory for Derby. Uh, in terms of our home form, uh, it's actually not that good. Now, obviously, last season we had really good home form that, um, you know, a little bit earlier on in the season was kind of keeping us a little bit higher in the league table compared to our away form. This season, our home form is better than our away form, but it, it's not one of the best in the division by any stretches of the imagination. I think we're like 17th, 18th in terms of home form, um, which really isn't that uh, impressive. Now, they've got some really, really good players, do Derby County. What they've got is actually quite an old squad. I didn't realise until the last time we played them and I was sort of having this com- having the conversation with uh, Corey from Rams... Uh, not Corey, sorry. It was uh, Jason I spoke with from Rams Review. And uh, they, they, their squad on the whole is quite old. But hasn't stopped them from firing this season. Like You pick out some of the players. James Collins, yes, all right. 33 years old, but he's made 19 starts and still managed to score 12 goals and get one assist. You've got Nathaniel Mendes-Lang. Now, he is one hell of a danger. He's got 14 goal contributions. He is absolutely fantastic. And another player who has also performed, been performing really well for them recently, especially, is Tom Barkhausen. For, for, for whatever it is, but it always seems to be Tom Barkhausen uh, assisting Nathaniel Mendes-Lang scoring or vice versa. Them two seem to have a link-up that is second to none in this league. Like, uh, 10 goals and assists for Tom Barkhausen as well. Um, obviously, 10 goals plus assists rather than 10 of each. You know, he's not quite that good. Um, but... <laughs> And again, they've got some real good quality. Max Bird in the midfield, a little bit younger. He's only 23, but he's got himself a couple of goals, five assists. He's got a brilliant uh, goal away at um, Leighton Orient, I do believe it was. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that was a really nice strike from the edge of the area. This team, they seem like the sort of team that we can sit here and discuss tactics as much as we want. They're still going to be able to find a way to create chances. They're still going to be able to find a way to get through our defence um, and potentially have shots on goal. And even if that means not getting through the defence, kind of contradicting myself there, but not getting through the defence and just standing off, sitting on the edge of the area and taking a couple of shots because they've got players that are able to hit them. Conor Hurran, for example, did it on Monday night. Um, to, to win them the game. And that's the sort of worry. Now, chances are we're going to set up uh, maybe a little bit more defensively, potentially similarly to you know how we did against Bolton. But obviously, we don't know what our formation is necessarily going to be. Are we going to go with the sort of hybrid 4-4-2 out of possession, 3-5-2 in possession? There's the possibility. Or are we going to go with, uh, you know, maybe just a, a typical 
traditional 4-4-2 both in and out of possession? Are we going to stick with some kind of hybrid? Are we going to go back to a 4-3-4-3? Like, there's so many opportunities. Again, like we were talking pre-Wickham, we've had one game that maybe gives us an insight into how we're going to play over these next few matches. But actually, how different is going away to Wigan to playing at home to Derby? And how's Michael Scamala going to set the team up for that? So it's a, really, a, a little bit like it was with Wickham. It's a really difficult one to actually try and preview. But yeah, I think the thing is, we'll be looking. I, I, there'll be a lot of fans that are clamouring at the moment for us to start exactly how we finished the Wickham game. That will mm. obviously depend on how fit Rico is and, and Teddy is, and, and whether they will be able to start the full, you know, play for the full ninety. My personal thought is, yes, we should absolutely try and do that if we've got the personnel available, but it's 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 how we would match up against Derby. Having seen them on Monday night, my thought was that they they do have a vulnerable streak in them. They did seem to overcommit at times and leave a bit of space available for Burton to, you know, to to shoot up the other end of the pitch and almost hit them on the counter. The only thing that I would say is that a lot of Burton's attacks that they were successful with seem to be quite central. And the issue there, obviously, is that we play quite, you know, we we tend to play a lot wider. Um, so it's whether we can somehow leverage that that weakness, I guess. Um as as very small as it is, because don't get me wrong, like I said, Derby are an incredibly strong side, but it's that finding that little, you know, that little sliver there that we can exploit. Um, and I, I just wonder whether we'll be able to do that because I, I like I said, after Monday, I, I just felt a little bit of hope after, particularly after that bad spell where Derby conceded two pretty in pretty quick succession. I just thought, ah. Then we might be able to do something on Saturday, and I think we've probably got the players to do it. Obviously, we're still missing Mandroyu. We're still going to be missing Pordy O'Connor through suspension. But I think the defensively, I, I don't really see too much of a, a change being required for Saturday um, following the Wickham game. But going forward, I just think this game's got Rico Hackett written all over it, and whether he'll be able to last the full ninety is going to be the you know the key point um, for me. I, I don't see it happening with Rico being on the pitch for the full 90. It's just whether he starts or whether he comes on as a, as more of an impact player. It's going to be an interesting one. Absolutely. Um, first of all, in terms of Rico, if it was me, I would be play. I would be bringing him on. If he can't do the full 90, he can only do, let's say he, his max is 45. I'd much prefer him for the second half yep. of the match than the first half. Um, yep. You know, if we can, if we can stay tight for the first half, they don't score. They maybe commit a little bit more in the second half. Rico's the sort of player that's going to be able to run at their defence that's maybe left, for example, one on one, one on two, something like that. So I think Rico's the sort of player that we can use in that instance. Now, you say we play wider, and that means that we might not be able to utilise, you know, the weaknesses of Derby as much. I, I would arguably disagree. Okay. Because if we're playing two up top um, and, you know, the, the midfield two as well being the two Ethans, for example, if we're, we're, we're talking about the four four two, obviously I know mm-hmm. we can switch to a three five two in possession. But you've got Ethan Arahan, Hamilton, that we know they can, them two can play the ball with each other. Sometimes you'll get Lass Sorensen making diagonal runs that can get involved in that if he's kind of playing an inverted wing back position as well. And then obviously TJ covering the right back area when, when we're kind of in possession, as we saw against Wickham. I didn't really think we were playing out that wide against Wickham at all, personally, to the point where if they are looking a little bit weak through the centre, I think it's something that we can utilise against them. Um, Joe Taylor being able to make sort of runs in behind could be something that we very much use if Derby come and set up against us, maybe with a little bit of a higher line than you know going away to exactly or you know, playing at home to some teams, for example, at Cheltenham, something like that, that maybe set up a little bit lower. Um, Derby maybe going to set up a little bit higher so that we can, again, punish them with that. Um, Ethan Aaron... One thing that I did notice, actually, on Monday was that Derby did play with quite a high line and that obviously led Mm -hmm. to Burton's second goal. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just wonder if, like you said, you mentioned Joe Taylor there, I think that's where he would likely be the problem for them if we are going yeah. to play in a similar fashion and try and exploit those weaknesses because 
he he showed glimpses of it against Wickham. But I think there's a lot well, there obviously is a lot more to come from Joe Taylor. And I just hope that, you know, this is gonna be one of those games. I I I do think that we start with two up top on Saturday. Um mm-hmm. in in the same fashion that we did against Wickham. Um, because I think if I, I almost feel if you go for the jugular against Derby, if you really attack them, I think they might show a little bit more weakness than you know than we would expect from them because I, I think they're going to be a team that they not necessarily they feel entitled, but they would feel confident enough to come and attack us. And you know, you obviously mentioned their away record; they will treat it almost like a home game to some extent. In that, you know, they they know that they can play. They know that they're going to be able to play well. But I just think it's going to be a, a a game where if we attack them, it could shift the balance quite quickly. Oh, absolutely. And um, I think Freddie Draper is going to be absolutely huge and pivotal for that for playing mm-hmm. against their sort of two two centre halves as well in that in that instance. Um, like I say, I think we'll be able to utilise playing down the middle against them very well. They do play a four at the back, so it's something that, again, I, th- I think we're going to be able to try and punish if we are playing two uh, up top. And they are wanting, for example, to push their full-backs a little bit more forward. And we're going to ha- kind of have two on two <clears throat> in a lot of instances uh, there as well. And then if we maybe had somebody in behind in the hole or, or maybe even a little bit deeper that's willing to, that's got the license to push up, even if that person ends up being uh, an Ethan Hamilton, we could quite easily find ourselves on counter-attack overloads. Now we don't want to be playing counter-attacking football or anything like that, but against a team like Derby, you've got to take these opportunities. And if there's an opportunity for an overload from a counter-attack or from a position where we win the ball back a little bit deeper in our own half, then mm. boom, great opportunity again. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think I think Derby are a team that we could get something from. I'm not going to sit here and say that we're going to beat them or anything like that, but I, I think there's definitely an opportunity to get something from Derby. And it's nice to have these kind of positive conversations. We had it last week, Ben, didn't we, before Wickham. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't having them before Blackpool or, or before Northampton or Bolton, you know. So, so it's really yeah. nice to be able to have these kind of really positive looking forward conversations rather than kind of a kind of tentative look at the upcoming matches, which is what we were falling into the trap of doing. But it was what we could, it was all the only opportunity we really had to do. Now, the only slight worry: if we lose against Derby, then playing against Peter is suddenly even bigger because yeah. it has an opportunity to if we lose against Peterborough as well or even draw it has the opportunity to send us on a winless run uh, from 10 matches which of course doesn't look good on any record and that's the last thing you want going into deadline day now hopefully that that isn't the case and we can get a result from one of these two two matches because these are two huge matches um, both in terms of sort of the position and the crowd I will say I feel more confident going into Derby that we would get something out of it. Yeah, I I feel more confident going into Derby than I do looking over the horizon to Peterborough. Mm. I feel that it's this weekend is a game that we we can get something out of, and Derby have proven that they're fallible, particularly in the in the last game. Mm. Um, They managed to eke out a win on Monday night, but they they didn't look as polished as a uh, polished aside as I thought they would and I just like I say that there's this glimmer of hope for for Saturday um however again looking ahead to Peterborough I think they are the force in this league at the moment and I think they are going to be a very very tough proposition much more so than Derby um but we're not looking ahead to Peterborough at the moment we are obviously looking ahead to Saturday um so yeah I mean I I don't necessarily think we'll win on Saturday but I've got I'm feeling very good about taking something from the game particularly following the the back end of the Wickham game um, and that performance I just think there's a lot to take from that and we talk a lot about momentum in football like Mm. there's there's obviously you have your momentum in games you have your momentum in seasons at the moment it feels like this is the upswing after a lot of bad momentum where we've had issues with injuries we've had issues with poor performances it feels like that goal on Saturday even though it was in the 98th minute of the game it just feels like the pendulum's starting to swing the other way now and there's a lot of good sentiment around the club 
Um, and it always happens with a late goal. You know, you have a late goal, you go home feeling great. It's like, oh, great. You know, we've, we've taken a point when we, we, we could have easily lost that game. We, we could have easily won the game on Saturday. But coming away from that game, I just felt so good because it was, oh, this, this is what we've wanted to see. We've had attacking football for 25 minutes and we've, we've got something out of a game that we really genuinely deserved. And it feels so different to three or four weeks ago when we were sat there, head in hands, just thinking, where is the next goal? Where is the next point going to come from? All of a sudden, we're looking at a game against a team that are second in the table going, hang on, we could get something from, from this game. And it's so dramatic that that has, that has almost swung on one game. Yes, I still think I'd have been sat here saying we could get something from the game, um, even if we didn't get the late equaliser at Wickham. Um, pure, purely because I'm never, ever going to write us off at home. Mm, yeah, that, that's a fair that, shout. That's, that's, you know, I, I will never, ever write Lincoln, a Lincoln City side off playing at Cincinnati. Didn't do it against West Ham. I thought that there was a chance we could get something out of that game. We were close to. You know, I mm. I didn't do it against Everton, and you know we were, we were talking about that in the Discord earlier on, and um, yeah, you know that was what a night that was. So I'll never ever write Lincoln City off at home. I think there is a good opportunity. I think we've shown very small glimpses of progress on um, what day was it? Saturday. Uh, I kind of. <laughs> So, so there was obviously a conversation on the podcast when it was Gaz and Chris at the weekend, um, sort of talking about all of the attacking stats and such from Saturday. I'm obviously brilliant, you know, that's great. But to kind of temper my excitement a little bit, I was just sort of thinking about how much of that was because we were losing, and because we know that Michael Skubala is a, is a manager that will go for it. We saw it at Barnsley at home when we were two uh, one down, for example, after after being one up for so long, but then went two one down. We then went for it, and it was it was yeah. nice because we hadn't seen that for a while, actually, had we? Um, mm. You know, no comments on former managers, but it wasn't something that we necessarily saw uh, as much of under Mark Kennedy. But well, it's something that Michael Skabala said, isn't it? He's, he said that, yeah, yeah. you know, if we're going to lose, we're going to lose with a fight. And yeah. I think that's that's the attitude that people want to see. That's the yeah. um, that's the, the attitude and the the fight and the desire that people want to see. You know, I, I've spoken to people before and they've said, oh, I don't care if we lose the game. I just want to see him give a shit. And I think we're starting to see that... Not that players didn't give a shit before, but we're starting to see the actual manifestation of that from people, and they're going, "Oh, hang on a minute, yeah, this this is this is looking good. We, we're showing a bit of fight, we're showing a bit of spirit, and they they are playing for the shirt, they are playing for the badge, and to see that over the well over the past few games where we've been able to do that for sections of the game." Um, obviously Saturday we managed to do it for the, the final section of the game and managed to take something from it. I think, like I say, this is almost the, the corner that we've got to turn. And I think we've started to turn the corner as of Saturday and hopefully we can carry it on into uh, Saturday against Derby. But um, let's let's round it out. Let's see what we think we can get from the game on Saturday. I think we'll probably get a one or draw um, and I would be delighted with that. Um, two all, two all. Okay, two all. Yeah. Um, now, <laughs> if I wasn't a Lincoln fan, I'd probably predict it as a loss. But I'm going to predict it as a two all. So. <laughs> You've got to have the hope, haven't you? Of course you have. Of course you have. Absolutely. <laughs> two all draw. And do you know what? Find me a single Lincoln fan that won't take a two all draw. You know, we've sold. Uh, there's nine thousand two hundred tickets altogether sold so far. Okay. Uh, that the club announced earlier. Obviously, that they'll be sold out there away allocation very, yeah. very quickly. I don't even know if it went on general sale. You know, um, they sold Probably out, not. which was which is obviously impressive. It's going to be a really good game. Um, East Midlands Railway are putting on a football special for the Derby fans. Um, nice to know that they care about some <laughs> some fans. fans yeah, um, but I won't, I won't go into that one because I will go on a big long rant about train services in this country, and nobody wants to hear that. Many <laughs> swear words get used. Um, so yeah, look, it's gonna. I, I can't wait for for Saturday. We've got two massive, massive home matches coming up. Um, Hope to see as many people down at Central Bank as possible and hope to speak to you all in the fan zone before the game. 
Absolutely. So and, uh, right. And I get to have a little look around the Stacey West development on Saturday. Me and Chris are going to have a look look round the new build uh, as part Ooh. of the support sports. I'm really looking forward to that. Very nice. You'll have to uh, you'll have to let us know how that goes. Um because yeah, I, I, that's coming on actually. I've seen a, a few yeah, bits yeah, of that. Yeah. It's it's coming on really well. So yeah, I'm interested to see about that. So uh that is that. Um no other real news to discuss. We did say that we'd try and keep um discussions on this towards the end of the podcast, but a slight slight running update. Um where are you at you with yours, Charlie? Well, I have actually gone out um a couple of times this week now. I've done two runs out. I uh, I started a kind of it was it was some app or whatever, but it was a running plan to Walter 10k. Um, okay. and I started on that and forgot how much I needed to rebuild myself back up. I couldn't just <laughs> pick up where I left off with my running. So, uh, a, yeah, a couple of tough runs, but um, actually really, really enjoyed it, uh, even though it was bloody cold. And uh, do you know what? I won't lie. Neil Warnock will be very pissed off with me, but I was wearing gloves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, well, sadly, I've, I've had a my, my first setback of... of- Possibly a few, I don't know, but my first major set about this week. Started doing my warm-up walk and uh, felt something pop in my calf and then couldn't put any weight on it for the best part of a day. So, um, yeah, nursing that back to, to, to health at the moment, but uh, I'll be back on it hopefully at the weekend, provided it all holds up because I've been able to walk on it today. So, uh, yeah, still determined, still going to do it and still going to prove myself wrong more than anything else. So... Um, I'm sure shortly we'll have some details on fundraising and all the rest of it that we will uh, be posting here, there and everywhere. So uh, it would mean the world if anybody has a couple of quid spare to uh, sponsor either one of us or any one of us, I should say. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll discuss that more later on as it comes closer, no doubt. But in the meantime, I think it's uh, I think it's Chris and Gary on Sunday or is it you and Gary? No, it's Chris. Chris and Gary on Sunday Um, so we'll leave you in their capable hands Uh, but until then up the imps up the imps the TalkSport fan network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year as football fans we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.